Welcome back to episode 43 of the Hockey House podcast presented by Selly Hockey Co., where we cover all the latest news in non-NCAA college hockey here in the United States. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Stephen Glick, Colin Fitzgerald, and our executive producer, David Herman. Glick, how are the Temple Boys this weekend? Oh, it was a great weekend. We went down to Rutgers and played them. We got the big 3-0 win, and in that game, I got my very first ACHA shutout. So shout out to the guys out front playing hard in front of me. A shutout, I think, is a it's a team effort. So shout out to all my teammates who helped me get this all milestone. How many shots on goal? Oh, I want to say it was 38. Not bad. Not bad for your first shutout. Yeah, not too bad. It only took me about three years. Hey, COVID year. COVID year. You got to remember. That's fair. In the eyes of the NCAA, you're a sophomore. Wait, really? Yeah, and in, in like NCAA sports now, like if you play during the COVID year, they like count it as a redshirt year, and, and basically it's like a fake year. So you're technically only a sophomore. So you're saying after I graduate from Temple, I can still play a year of NCAA hockey? You could probably play multiple years of NCAA hockey. I mean, I don't think that's. I, I hope happen, somebody's but... listening and, and picks you up. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, the demand for burger reviews in the NCAA has got to be pretty high. But the problem is I'd have to change the name from ACHA Burgers to NCAA Hockey Burgers. That just doesn't sound as good. Yeah, no, it doesn't have the same charm to it. Herm, how'd you stay busy this weekend? Kept a quiet hollow weekend. My focus is more on what's coming up potentially this weekend, which is the alumni weekend festivities up at Tennedy Ice Arena. I am going to figure out how I am going to get up to Syracuse for that. Looking forward to photographing the games. Should be an exciting weekend. I know you're also going to go to a, a crunch game, right? Yeah. Friend of the podcast, Jim Sorosi is going to have me on for that too. So it's kind of like a double feature. I believe it's like a 3.30 game at Cuse and then a 7 p.m. game for the crunch. And then Fitz became the first member of the podcast to make his pro hockey debut this weekend. Shout out to Colin Fitzgerald as a member of the Binghamton Black Bears. We can talk about his first assist too. You guys are too much, too much. <laughs> I was just trying not to get my head taken off, honestly. It was either the first or second period of our first, my very first game ever. Our goalie drops the mitts with one of their, their players. So I don't know what's going on. Just, just trying not to get, you know, get hurt out here so just happy to be here and we got the home opener this saturday so that should be fun what, was it, what do they call the rank in binghamton i don't know what the locals call it yet but it's visions veterans memorial so i'll i'll let you know when i when i talk to the locals after i uh score my first goal this saturday that, then i'll let you know saturday night at the vet binghamton black bear <laughs> hockey yeah, I think they're looking for some fights. Some of the guys on the team want me to drop the mitts and get my first my first Tilly, but I don't think I'm ready for that. Let's try to get the first goal first. Yeah, yeah. Baby steps. What about you, Murph? I saw Syracuse had a uh, pretty good weekend. Pretty good weekend. We finally won a game, so I got to like post. It was basically like the the meme of the the gnome in the way he's like throwing up the rainbow. That's like me on Syracuse hockey TikTok. Now that we've won, I can just post stuff without having people like chirp us in the comments section. But no, I mean technically we had two wins already because of the Drexel weekend. We scheduled a game against Oswego State. Really good hockey team they have speedy team our first line and first deep pair was out on the ice for all three cues goals and then we won it in the shootout so it's a good good game uh rebirth jerseys finally came in which was cool they came in on wednesday i kept telling the boys that they weren't going to be in in time they weren't going to be in in time i met up with the coaches pat traded off the jerseys coaches got to the game early on friday night hung them up in the locker room stalls so we surprised the guys which was really cool we had our camera guy hide in the locker room 
and then guys walked into the jerseys and, and saw they were hanging in the stall. So we got some a lot of cool content from that. I mean, perfect weekend, though. You play one game on a Friday night. You get to celebrate the win on Friday night and then celebrate Halloween on Saturday, Sunday. So I think the guys all in all had a good weekend. And I want to say three weekends after that, we play Saturday, Sunday. And I know I talked about it last episode, how brutal those Saturday, Sunday series are just because you don't get that Sunday rest day. Like Glick says, we got to be academic weapons. We got to find time to do the schoolwork here and uh, dial it in before Thanksgiving break. Her mentioned it's alumni weekend, which is really cool. We honor some Hall of Fame inductees, which is always nice to get their perspective on it. And they didn't have social media back in the day. So I don't think there's any former content creators being inducted in this year, but we'll have to quiz the guys and, and, and see how much uh, they know about the program now. But looking forward to it. Be sure to check out the team order tab at sellyhockeyco.com. Take any existing designs that they have and they are fully custom. If you have a design that you have in mind that you want to use, Selly Hockey can make it. And if you don't have the design skills, they'll make it for you. Team orders are available with all of their products. Just provide your name and your team and they'll be happy to get back to you as soon as possible. Be sure to check it out at sellyhockeyco.com. Herm, I'm going to toss it over to you for the first talking point of the week. We had a water bottle incident in the Fordham game. Yeah, some highlights out of the CHF. Trey Leo from Fordham just goes top cheese on the opposing goalie, pops the water bottle off, skates behind the net, picks up the water bottle from the ground, and then drinks from the goalie's water bottle. Glick, I got to know. We watched this clip in the group chat. Is this one of the most disrespectful things that you've seen done to a goalie? And what would you have done if that had happened to you? Yeah, I mean, that's got to be one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen. And I'll be honest, I don't even know what I would do in a situation like that. I think I would just be so embarrassed. I would just go straight to the bench or something like that. At that point, I just want to not play hockey for at least 24 hours. But if there is ever a ACHA slash CHF uh, hockey game, that should be one of the sellies that's included. Objectively, though, is that good or is that... I mean... I'm going to have you say this, Murph, because it's not going to come out well from from me saying it. Be like, is that good sty or bad sty to to take the the opposing goalie's water bottle and do that? Is that a yay or nay type thing? I don't know. My opinion with celebrations is like if you're going to do something crazy like that, like you better back it up. Like if you're going to drink the goalie's water bottle, one, you have to know that everyone is going to try to hit you the rest of the game and you got to be ready for that. And two, you got to back it up with a win because you just look like a complete clown. When I did the the push-up celebration my freshman year, the coach like came up to me and was like, you better back that up. And then we closed out the game in the third period. And I think I got hit from behind twice that third period. So like, you got to know what's coming for you. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the water bottle celebration. I don't know. It takes a lot of balls. Nothing really happens to you in college hockey. I think if Fitzy scores his first career goal and he does that, I think their benches are clearing in the fed. Like, I don't know. You do it in college hockey. No one can really do anything to retaliate. Yeah. Like a scrum breaks out and you get a cross streak the head, but like, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the water bottle. Sally. I don't know about you guys. I had a rush this past weekend and barely tapped their goalie and their whole team's ready to fight me. So yes, you would die in the fed. If you tried that, uh, we had a, an NCAA ACHA matchup this week that went in favor of the ACHA team. The Minot state women's team took down Concordia with the sweep at Mesa arena hats off to the lady beavers for getting the job done things you love to see. And that is uh ACHA teams taking down NCAA teams. One of the Liberty players that's on the, the PWHPA teams reposted that on her story. So it was really cool to see like universal support from ACHA women's hockey for 
knocking off an NCAA opponent. We had IUP. They took on Chatham over the weekend. They lost 2 nothing. I think that's a pretty good game. I mean, I know those D3 teams sometimes use those as preseason games because, you know, here at the ACHA, we get things started a little sooner, you know, a little more games in our schedule. Just saying, a couple more benefits. But close game for the Hawks, and, and you know, hats off to them putting forward a good effort against Chatham, a team at the NCAA Division Three level. We had some more cross-league action, D2, D1, battle of the SEC schools. Bama traveled to Lexington, Kentucky, set it on the first try there. Kentucky walked away with a split. We had Bama taking down the Wildcats in game one, and then the, the Wildcats roared out in game two. And huge win for the Wildcats. Bama is, is a team that you know is well-known at the Division One ACHA level. And that being said, Kentucky is a, is a big name in division two so good to see the wildcats get a a good win that's a tough place to play i mean we talk about it all the time but must have been a tough bus ride home back to tuscaloosa for for the crimson tide interesting we we talked about it wilson state with their 27 nothing win people are pretty harsh in the comments commenting on the fact that and maybe wilson state's not that good kind of unfair that they beat up a team 27 nothing like what are they doing that's so disrespectful players were very adamant about this in the comments and they had a chance to back up their statements and they did not wilson state took down providence over the weekend so shout out to the boys from wilson state for being able to walk the walk and proving that it you know it wasn't a fluke that they won 27 to nothing that they are legitimately a good hockey team and with that headline that is the most media coverage that williston state has ever received in their existence Correct. They did beat Providence and there was no coverage of it. We found out because a comment on the Hockey House and then we fact checked it on the ACHA website. Shout out to Austin Thompson this weekend. Davenport had the sweep over Oakland in that first game. Davenport won 10 to 3. Mr. Thompson had himself six goals and two assists, double hat trick. I mean, big point night. He, he contributed to eight out of the 10 goals that Davenport scored. So he was on fire. Shout out to him. Shout out to our correspondent over at the Lax House Pod, Aiden Collins, and the Villanova Wildcats for getting the job done in the Buffalo Meltdown Tournament. I kind of saw Niagara as the favorite to win this tournament out of the teams in the field, and uh, they beat Niagara on home ice in the championship game. We had Aiden Collins take over the Instagram story for us. He showed us some behind the scenes of what it's like playing at the Riverworks, the outdoor rink in Buffalo. He's also working on a a 24-7 Wildcats project where he documented the trip to buffalo that'll be coming out not this week but next week so we're really looking forward to that he dropped the trailer so be sure to check it out on instagram the liberty men's division two team hosted a couple of other acha d2 teams this weekend in a little uh showcase at la Haye, um which saw the liberty flames beat tr- they the liberty flames scored two goals in the final 40 seconds to beat trine in this same weekend they also handed umass and Florida Gulf Coast, their first losses of the year. The Flames improved to 9-1 and on the year after going 3-0 and on the weekend. Uh, that team is red hot in Division Two, and it's definitely the team to beat right now um, as, we, as we get closer to the, to the halfway point of the season. Another big win this weekend was Illinois handing Iowa State their first loss of the year. Some great photos from the Big Pond this weekend. We're hoping to see some footage. It looked like they had a great crowd on hand in Champaign. So 
Um, shout out to the Fighting Illini for their performance this weekend. Two weeks ago, we posted a response to one of the rankings polls saying Illinois 07-1 is unbelievable. We posted there have been some brutal scores from Illini hockey games this season, most notably a 12-1 loss on homecoming weekend with a poll that said, will the Fighting Illini bounce back from their rocky start? 88% of the respondents said, no, the slump continues, and 12% had faith in Fabrini. And man, have the Fighting Illini turned it around so far. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to follow this season. I feel like we've had a couple of hockey house bumps and we've had some reverse bumps for some teams. It feels like every time we highlight a team on the pod, the next weekend they either lose or get swept or something bad happens or their Zamboni breaks down. Speaking of which, I guess now is the best time to mention that uh, the Adrian Bulldogs swept the Ohio Bobcats this weekend. Moving along, uh-huh. um, we did have Maryville's Division II team get a big sweep over Mizzou this weekend, and we had those boys on. Joining us this week, we had Matt Simoncelli and Scout Stalkup. Boys were great. They gave us insights on what it was like kind of to start the program at Maryville and uh, the transition they've made and, and how they've started off the season so successfully. So we will uh, cut to the boys right now. We're pleased to be joined by two members of Maryville's ACHA Division II team, Matt Simoncelli and Scout Stalkup. Guys, welcome to the Hockey House. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us, boys. Glad to be on. We're pumped to have you guys on. I feel like Maryville is a team that you know has gained a lot of attention, I'd say, in the past couple months because of the ACHA Division I you know, championships being held there this past year, the national tournament being in St. Louis again this year. So I think the eyes have been on St. Louis in regards to ACHA hockey. We're pumped to have you on. How's the season been going so far? Great. Yeah. Really well. A lot better than the last two yeah, years. a lot better. Really gaining some ground and uh, have a lot of momentum. How much of a season were you guys able to have last year? We had about 20 games. Yeah, right? just just about, we had 20 scheduled. We ended up playing 16. A couple teams yeah. had to cancel on us, Yeah, obviously, we were, because of COVID. Yeah, we were only allowed to play in the spring semester, so that was kind of weird. Yeah, it definitely was not a normal season, but at least we were fortunate enough to have a season. Yeah, we started off the fall semester. Like, we only had four guys on the ice at once. So it was three players and a goalie. And then we slowly, each month, have kept building and building. We finally got to full team practices for spring semester, and we rolled it into the 16 games we played. Those four-man skates are so brutal. Like, to start, it's like, oh, my gosh, I haven't been on the ice in so long. Like, I'll take anything. And then after, like, two of them, you're like, okay, this is really stupid. Like, let's let's just get everyone on the ice. Yeah, because you're doing drills that are should be drills for guys with, like, 10 to 12 people. And then you only have four guys on the ice. It's fun for, like, eight minutes. And then you're like, okay, I'm done now. Exactly. (laughs) Heading into your time at Maryville, Matt, let's start with you. Take us through your, your early hockey career and what, like, you to playing college hockey in St. Louis? I started playing hockey when I was three. Grew up in Rochester, New York. Played uh, AAA hockey pretty much my whole life growing up. When it came to my senior year of high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life when it came to a career. And then I talked to a couple of guys. They're like, well, why don't you just try junior hockey? So we had the local team in Rochester. We were, we were kind of brutal, but it was like, a, it was a start. It was a good foot in the door for like a rookie. Be 18, fresh out of high school. And then they ended up folding. And I got an email from a guy in the GMHL in Canada. I moved up there for two seasons and played there and kind of really got my career going again. And then I started thinking about college hockey. And I had some meetings with the general manager and stuff. He got me 10 different coaches to email me right before playoffs of my last year. John flew me out here, the head of our program here, and fell in love with the campus and fell in love with his idea of what 
he had for the future for my four years. Being from Rochester, it's not really a big city. Coming to St. Louis, I kind of fell in love with that big city vibe too. And it kind of, you can do everything here. So that's where I really kind of fell in love with it. Before we get to Scout, why don't you talk a little bit about the campus itself? I think Maryville is a place not a lot of people know about. I know we know it's in St. Louis, but what's the campus like? Campus is gorgeous. It, it's uh, it's really small school. Personally, I was kind of unsure about coming to a small school, but it really is that community feel. You know, you walk around campus, you know, you see the boys around campus, you know, see some of the people that come to the games. It definitely is that community feel. Firstly, the first time I stood on campus, it just kind of felt like home. It's really nice. Uh, Maryville does a great job, you know, with the amenities. Uh, we're definitely really spoiled. We have great classroom buildings. There's Starbucks on campus, you know, a great library, lots of resources academically. Um, Scout, where did you grow up playing hockey? Yeah, so I definitely have a uh, non-traditional path. So I was born and raised in Aurora, Colorado. I actually grew up playing baseball and roller hockey. I stopped playing baseball in, I think, eighth grade, and I moved into roller hockey for a season. I didn't move until moved to ice until my junior year of high school, actually. And so started off on JV and ended up on the varsity team at the end of the year. In 2015, we won the uh, Colorado State Championship with Cherry Creek High School. But after high school, I ended up in the RMJHL, which is now defunct. But that was a great setup for me. I was able to stay at home. I was able to work a lot. And then my, my last year, rolling into playoffs, my coach pulled me aside and he's like, hey, you know, I get this guy from Maryville reaching out when, you know, to see if, you know, you would be interested, you know, continuing your your career at Maryville. Yeah, I wasn't sure about it at first, but things really worked out. I, I came out for a visit. I was able to skate with John and with a few other of the recruits at that point. I saw the campus and like I said, I just fell in love with the campus. It just felt like home from, from the very beginning. So they've always done a great job making me feel like a, a big part of the organization here. Honestly, it's one of the decisions I ever made is coming to Maryville. We'll start with you, Matt. What What's your welcome to the ACHA moment when you get when you get to Maryville and first step on the ice? So our first weekend started off just having the D2 team our freshman year and we played D1 most state. We got pumped during the game, yeah. but first shift, I got absolutely leveled <laughs> by this six foot seven defenseman that they had. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much. Like, you always heard that college hockey was more gritty. And I was playing juniors in Canada, which was all like kind of skill based. It just, it was kind of a wake up call. I was like, oh my God, this is really going to be a grind. That was kind of like my bad wake up call. And my good wake up call was I scored our first goal in uh, program history that later in that game. I got over that hit and was like, okay, I can settle into this. And then Scout, as a goalie, what was your welcome to the ACHA moment? First year, we, did, we didn't have the best team. You know, it was kind of hard trying to figure things out, you know, trying to make things work. You know, first year program, nobody's really played with each other. My wake up moment was probably when we played uh, Linwood D2. I got absolutely shelled. It was just one of those, like, you know, this is the real deal. Like, you know, I, I gotta, gotta, you know, keep working. Those games are uh, not usually a lot of fun, but that was definitely a wake up call to, to say, hey, you know, we gotta keep working, keep grinding. So I'm, I'm curious for both of you because we we had the the guys from U Mary on, and same thing, Division Two program. They talked about getting recruited to a school that, that where the program is starting. What were some unique aspects of that that you found during the recruiting process? Mine was. Because you hear a lot, a lot of ACHA programs have to pay to play. And we don't pay a dime for anything here, whether it's on the road or nothing. And we get the equipment, a sticks. We even get like a $3,000 scholarship a year too. That was really what set Maryville out even before visiting is that we didn't even have to pay at all. So that was kind of a big thing for me. There's a lot of opportunity with the new program. And so coming in and being able to set the foundation, being able to kind of set the culture for the whole program, 
um, was really exciting and really appealing to me. It's, it's nice kind of having an impact, not only, you know, on this team, but the other two, two teams as well. And, you know, it's, it's always one of those things that's, you know, it's really cool to say, hey, you know, I was part of that first team in Maryville and kind of look look what they're doing now. So that's definitely something that'll stick with me the rest of my life. All right, Fitz, I'll let you chime in here now. Thanks for coming on, boys. I think I got a bone to pick with you boys, actually. My sophomore year, we opened up against you guys at your place. And Matt, I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me right, you scored the shootout winner game one. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you, but I know we lost you guys in a shootout. That wasn't me. That was, um, he's now the D1 assistant coach, Kevin. He's got the, he had the same hair as gotcha. me. I think that's, where that's where you were catching it. That's what's throwing me off here. Yeah, that, yeah I, I definitely remember that. I was, those, those were some good battles. After we get swept by most state, we came home the next weekend and we split with Indiana. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 I got absolutely blown up in the uh, first game. <laughs> Not good. But anyway, tell us about hockey at Maryville. You know, what's the, the situation looking like if you're you're walking around campus? Do people actually know that there's a hockey team? Um, and, you know, like what's a, a typical game day situation that's going on? When we first started, it was kind of like we were wearing the hockey jackets and the apparel around campus. Everyone's like, oh, we have a hockey team? Like, where do you guys play? Where do you... And it was like at that time, we didn't have this like beautiful facility built yet. We were like 45 minutes from campus. So it was kind of a struggle to get people to talk about it. And they seemed like after that first year, we got the D1 team and then you heard that D1 label because we're a school full of NCAA D2 sports. That's when everyone kind of just, I was like that first game for D1 our second year. This place was filled to the brim with people, with students. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And then ever since then, it's just like people recognize us. You could recognize them from like jumping on the glass and banging on the glass every Friday and Saturday here. And they're always, sla I, people come up to me, I'm just doing homework in our dining hall and people just come up to me and say, oh, great game this weekend. You guys played Unreal and stuff like that. So it's definitely like that first year, it was kind of like everyone was just questioning us. And then out of nowhere, since our second year, it's just like a bomb went off. It was just, it's yeah. so big here, especially also helps that hockey's growing in St. Louis, especially after the Blues won the cup. Because everyone kind of calls St. Louis that baseball city with the Cardinals. But yeah, hockey's really growing here. And it's, yeah, they, they love us on campus. Pretty much every weekend, we've been able to draw decent crowds. Not, not just the D1 team, but you know our team as well. There's so, some weekends where we draw just as many, if not more, fans um, come to our games. So, Maryville's definitely taking a step up and definitely a hockey school now. That's for sure. Was that the plan all along for Maryville to start with D2 and then add Division One when the rink came? I think so. You can't really get like a straight answer out of John, to be honest. Like, we started with D2, and I think the plan was just to make the jump to D1 as fast as possible. And then I think ACHA granted us, you know, you can keep your D2 team as well. Then following suit, women's D1, and then next year, programs getting men's D3 and women's D2. They saw how well we did even for a first-year program. Like, we're a little bit below 500. They kind of saw that it was something that we could build off of, so they gave us back that D2 team. And then the brink being built obviously helped yeah. a lot. Going back to what I said earlier about being part of, like, a new organization, I think the expectation was always that we were going to add more teams. I was surprised that we added this many teams so quickly. I don't think we expected to have next year we're going to have five teams, yeah, five teams in, here, in yeah. five years. So it really took off. But again, the expectation was kind of set that we're going to grow this program. Um, but again, it, it, it grew faster than yeah, any of us so expected. Fast. And now it seems like everywhere I look on campus is a hockey player, it's male or female. Like, there's just so many people now. Can you tell us a little bit about your new ice rink and facilities? You know, what's it like playing there? What's the locker room like? The locker room's always fun. You guys know that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we have two pads. We have the game rink, and then we have a practice rink. We practice on the practice rink, and D1's practicing on the game rink. Usually, because we practice at the same time. I think the stands fits about 2,000 people, and most Friday nights, we'll get pretty close to that. Yeah, we have conference room, lounge. We have a whole athletic training area. Offices. We have the offices yeah. for the coaches. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're spoiled here. You know, we have a 
laundry room, you know, equipment room, and we have an excellent training staff that take really good care of us. Yeah, we're really spoiled here. And now right away, when you guys you st- get started, you, you, like you said, you got Mo State, uh, Lindenwood. Who are some other rivals, and, and what are those rivalry-like games with the in-state teams? Honestly, probably our biggest rival. It's not really in-state with McKendree because they're just over the r- Mississippi River in Illinois. It's only like a 45-minute drive, mm-hmm. but that just it's always a battle against yeah. those guys. And it's just, it's a, freak, yeah. it's a freaking bloodbath against those boys. They're a good team. They've had our number for definitely our first three years. Finally uh, got the monkey off the back earlier this year against them. Beat them 8-1 at our barn after they uh, took one from us the night before. That's definitely our biggest rivalry. I would say it's like SLU too, right? Yeah, at the D2 level, SLU is one of our bigger rivals. Got some physical games with those guys. <laughs> As the D1 team is getting better and better each year, Lindenwood is becoming a, a bigger rival. Those games are getting a lot, a lot tighter, a lot more competitive. We're definitely on the map now, I would say. We're competitive with the teams in the area. They know we're, we're not going anywhere in time soon. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting that target on our back now. Yeah with how now they've seen like we're developing into like slowly becoming a powerhouse you can kind of tell these programs are like oh my god maryville's now here and and you know what i mean and yeah we're definitely getting that target on our back now and it's kind of a good feeling that these teams want to beat us so bad and now there's like something they can do about it now because we're just going to steamroll them and that's the thing i wanted to get back to is any school that's not like looking at recreating what you guys have done there at maryville it just seems like you know, the blueprint's been laid out by you guys. Why wouldn't another school follow the same kind of concept, build the rink, start D2? You guys moved up to D1 so fast. Both teams are having success. I, d- I don't understand. Like, why would more schools want to do what you guys are doing there? Uh, you can definitely tell when we go on the road and play teams, I guess, how seriously the, the program takes itself. You know, being part of this program, like, really spoiled. But also the expectation is set for the entire program that we're going to be competitive game in and game out. Yeah, you can definitely tell a difference in the teams that are doing it right versus the teams that they're to play a few games and drink beer every Saturday. So, What has changed since the season two years ago, 2019, 2020? Um, you guys kind of had a tough year, but you've since turned it around. What, what's kind of changed part of the culture, or is it just more experience on your end? I definitely think we've had a couple coaching changes, but I feel like the culture's been the same, except especially since with the first-year guys. Like, our core group has been the same. It's just gaining that experience and learning how to win. Like, he always taught, like you always hear, like, a bunch of guys saying, you just need to learn how to win, and you got to go through those growing pains, and it really sucked. Like, we, there were some bad, there were some low lows that yeah. 2019 2020 year and then even last year it was just tough sledding sometimes and like games would go to overtime lose go to shootout lose after battling back and just using that adversity to kind of learn how to win it seems like it's come easy to us now that we have experience part of that is just um, the additions to our lineup too i know the last two years we were really shorthanded and once you take that jump from you know d1 to d2 adding a whole other team it's hard to recruit an entire team in one year they've done a great job on the recruiting side as far as bringing in people kind of at the right times and so now we're kind of reaping the benefits of that um the the core and, and the culture and the expectations have been set in the beginning now we're in a spot where we have the tools to make that happen looking at the schedule the rest of the year i know we've talked about you know the transition that you guys have had being good so far to start off this campaign what are some games you're looking forward to on the schedule the rest of the way i would definitely say slew because we haven't we didn't play them last year and we kind of owe them after uh, taking one from us. Uh, they scored a buzzer beater last time we played them, 2019-2020. And that's definitely circled on our calendar. And I was also definitely say Lindenwood. Uh, they're going to be coming for us. Last year, we absolutely stole one from them yeah. at the end of our season. Our, we played them six times last year. Only one. 
<laughs> and we, it was one of our two wins all yeah. year. And they were like our first five games of the season were against them. So it was yeah. oh, it was just right from the get-go. It was tough. And then, you know, they come out, our fifth game against them. Oh, it was brutal. It was double-digit deficit. We're like, yeah, oh, my God. But we have one more time with a two-week gap between them playing other teams. And it's absolutely stole one from them. And it was one of the – definitely of the guys around the team, everyone says one of the best feelings was – overcoming that team for just losing to them for like three years yeah. and and just absolutely taking one from them in our own building too with our fans so that was great it was definitely one of the best experiences of that yeah year. kind of looking forward to the rest of the year Salou's definitely circled on the calendar like you said um we haven't we didn't play him last year had some interesting games with him in the past so i'm looking forward to that one but uh, Iowa State and Linwood definitely are the ones that we're looking forward to. Like I said, we have a great group of guys. It'll be interesting to see kind of how we stack up against some of the best in the league. Yeah, because those two teams, Iowa State and Linwood, were in the Frozen Four last year. So those are the teams we got to beat to really, if we want to like make a statement and go for a ring. Yeah. So those are the teams we got to beat now or at least at some point down the road. Yeah. You guys won't have to travel far if everything goes well in the national tournament, you know, being right in your backyard. How does that motivate the team in a season like this? It motivates us more that it's uh, it's Lindenwood's barn, too, because yeah. especially with that rivalry that we were talking about earlier, it's awesome going to nationals and it'll mean a lot when we get to walk it. Like, it's not that far down the road either. We get to walk into their building. Their Lindenwood D1 team walked into our building last year and mm-hmm. almost won it all. So it's kind of like almost returning the favor. We're hoping that both D1 and D2 can honestly do, walk into their place and kind of show them, like, yeah, we're here to stay. We deserve to be here. It definitely motivates the guys around the room. I think um, the expectation is pretty clear that since the, the tournaments are local, that we kind of have a leg up. You know, we get to practice. We played at Centene quite a bit. Um, looking forward to playing there. I'm loving the interview right now. The D2 boys are finally getting some love on this podcast. It's about <laughs> damn time. <laughs> Let's talk about some teammates. Give me uh, – Give me a guy on the team who just keeps things light. He's kind of like the clown. Give me a uh, quick story about him. This guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quick story. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. It's just like I've always had this thing I've, ever since I played juniors is that I feel like the locker room should always be light. Everyone knows what job they need to have. Everyone knows their role. Mm and knows the job that needs to get done, but why not have a couple laughs before the game, before yeah. warm-ups, or doing your, you're playing sewer outside, like, I just mess with the kids, I don't know, and I just, that's always been my approach. Like, you focus up when you need to be on the bench and in between periods and stuff, but yeah. you gotta have fun with it, too, and hockey's the best sport in the world. And when you have fun with it, especially when you're we're winning now, it's, mm-hmm. It's a blast. And yeah. I'm always, I'm taping skates and stuff. I'm taping people's equipment together and yeah. stuff like that. Like, I'm keeping a light in that room, making sure everyone's got a smile on their face because we're playing happy, which we are. This is the first time probably in four years. I, I'd easily say that every single person in our locker room is happy. And we have 10 wins, just 10 out of, we won 10 out of 12 games to yeah. show for it. So that's how I've kind of always approached it. I would also say uh, one of our goalies, uh, Hampus. That guy's a riot. Uh, from uh, Sweden. He's a, he's yeah. an interesting character. He's so freaking funny in the locker room. He's just always screaming and yelling. So when they funny. announce our names, like when we're on the blue line, he'll just start screaming after everyone, uh, after they yell their names. Just typical goalie, if you guys know what I mean. And so, Matt, I kind of want to touch on what you just said about liking to be the guy who keeps it light in the locker room. And I think a lot of guys find it really, it's really easy to be light in the locker room when you're being successful. But those past two seasons before that, what was it like? Like, what's your mindset going to the locker room? If you get thrashed by Lindenwood and now you're playing them for the sixth time this year, like how are you keeping it light in the locker room? But at the same time, make sure the boys are focused. It's kind of like, you almost want to say short-term memory with it because like after you get thrashed, like it, it stings, but you can't really like, you need to focus on the next game too. Like you need to have, remember what that feeling of getting off the ice after losing by double digits remember that feeling that that gut feeling but also like we can't change like yeah yeah we're losing but we 
if we stick to the culture and stick to what we've been planning this whole time, something's going to, it will eventually break, break down that wall. So that's why like, you remember that pain that you're feeling after losing to these guys so many times, but also I'm going to still keep it light kind of, I'm still going to, I'm still going to mess with you guys. But then when the time comes, you guys got to be prepared. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, if, if I can pick up on that too, um, I think Matt personally has done a great job. It, it's been cool the last couple of years to see him grow as a leader. He's the guy that keeps it loose in the room, but at the same time, taking care of the administrative stuff around the team. He's making sure that we're not too loose. He wants to keep that pain of, of a bad loss in our heads when the going gets tough. And so when we show up to practice on, on a Monday, it's like, yeah, you know, the locker room's kind of loose, but, you know, he's always right there to set the expectation that we're here to put in the work so that doesn't happen again. Who are some of the other guys who are instrumental in the past few years and just the growth of the program? Yeah, I would definitely say uh, like Scout here has been huge. Berkey, Matt Berkemeyer, he's uh, one of the assistant captains. Guys that are class behind us like Max, Hampus, Sabs, they've kind of always held me accountable. And we got a new guy who's a second year, uh, Spencer Barlow. He's also an assistant captain. He's just kind of, they've all, they've all chipped in where we needed it. Like if we're kind of lacking the... The leadership or like the lead by example we can we can lean on guys uh alex keller is another one um a new addition this year jens julison who's dropped down from d1 it's been really good i, I would say that a lot of our core is made up of guys that have been here since the start so it, it's been really cool to see us kind of as a group grow you know over these last four years the core has really been instrumental in kind of setting the culture and you know maintaining that expectation huge win this weekend congratulations on the sweep over mizzou and Thank win you. at the buzzer beater big celebration yeah. oh yeah i want to know who's got the worst celebrations on the team and who's got the best sellies I would say uh, Michael Lane, number five, doesn't yeah. sell you at all. Guy, the guy, every time he <laughs> scores a sickle, he just looks like he's been doing it his whole life. It's, yeah. It kind of, it kind of makes us feel like crap because his hands yeah. are so freaking nasty. He can just walk around anybody. It's and he just goes off to the bench like it's his freaking day job. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, he's got the best sellies of that. I, I'd say number eight, Alex Chiedini. That guy just brings the intensity no matter what he's doing. So he's just a big ball of energy. So he scores and. Yeah, I mean, you guys saw the video. You just erupted. Yeah, he's he's always pretty entertaining to watch. That guy's bringing the intensity no matter what we're doing. We're playing ping pong in the yeah. room. We're at the bar or we're yeah. at the game. That guy's got that guy's it's just all of energy. He just lives with intensity. It's yeah. crazy. Did I hear uh, we got a ping pong table in the room? Oh yeah. Yeah, I get some pretty intense tournaments uh, <laughs> going. Who's running the table in there? Do we got a standings board? Uh, we don't have a standings board. We usually do winner stays, but it's usually me, Berkey, or uh, one of our defensemen, Phil Kemmer. Those guys can freaking spin the ball around. Yeah, we got we got one of the house too. So, um, yeah. Sally's actually second at the house. Our uh, yeah. program goalie coach owns the house that we live in. So him and Sally uh, have had quite the uh, yeah. quite the, uh, quite the battles. We keep the, we, yeah, we keep the standing board there, and we usually yeah. make some bets. He was a goalie for uh, USA Development Program, so he's got those quick hands, and he yeah. played in the O. So he, it's tough to spike a ball on that. Yeah, <laughs> gets pretty intense. Yeah, it gets intense. Yeah, yeah, there's been a few times you people come over just to watch them play ping pong. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, we need a ping pong table here at the house in Cuse. That would be a great addition. Funny, we, I, this is how I found the ping pong table for our locker room. I was driving down. We live in a neighborhood, so I was driving on the road. The neighborhood's off. There's a ping pong table sitting on the sidewalk right next to the main road. It says, please take. I've never slammed my brakes <laughs> that hard. I call one of our old roommates. I go, bring your truck over here. I got a ping pong table for the room. And we just put it on his uh, truck with some yeah. cables. And he just threw the hazards on. We went down the road to bring it home. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of worked out. Yeah, that's awesome. Love love hearing that. Yeah. I wanted to say really quick, any kid out there listening to this episode that doesn't know what they want to do, they're unsure, they should check out Merrillville because you guys have a sick setup. You're putting it together so well. 
check them out if you don't know what you want to do. Herm, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I think Maryville now and in, in, in the, the double rink and the adding of, of a women's D2 and a men's D3 team, it, it, it kind of rivals, you know, what, what Adrian's got going on, what Liberty's got going on. Are there, how many other hockey factories are there in the ACHA that have teams at every level? Iowa State. Yep, that's another one with teams that are good at multiple levels. There's University of Delaware. So I just think it's cool. I think the opportunity that the ACHA allows to have teams at, at, at multiple levels, it's something you don't see on the NCAA side of college hockey, but it allows you to really build not only just a hockey team, but a, a sound hockey program on the men's, women's side at, at each level. Yeah, and you can kind of build your program and build players like more with their level is more for them like where they can you can build someone from where they can succeed i would say one of the things that's special about this program is the three teams that we have right now are all really close you know everybody gets along for the most part there's not really that that kind of label of d1 versus d2 everybody knows you know you're, you're here to play your role you know on and off the ice we, we all get along very well we're all pretty close i think for the most part everybody knows everybody so they've done a nice job of kind of bringing all three teams together yeah and like when we have like a little party together and stuff like that and the big thing that helps that a lot too what scout was saying how there's no like rift between the d1 and d2 i don't know how other programs really are with that like i've heard rumors about other programs that the d1 and d2 don't even talk to each other it's a constant like chirp battle and stuff but it also helps that Half our team from the first year is on D1 and the other half's on our team on D2. So it's like you still have that friendship bond. Like, yeah, you're not on the team, same team anymore. You don't have that same friendship that you have with your teammates, but it helps like throw that rift aside and realize that we're all here for one thing with program success. Before we start to wrap this up, is there anything that we haven't addressed yet that you guys would want to kind of talk about? I know Scout here is uh, number one goalie for D2. Most wins, uh, best uh, GAA, right? Se- second second most wins now. Jens Juleson, kid dropped down from D1. We joke around saying he's putting up Gretzky numbers, <laughs> but kids, what's he played like? He's played like seven games. He's got he's like, like 27, yeah. 29 points right now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, Scout, hats off to you for the performance in the crease so far this year. Thank you. I've never never had good stats. I think last year at like an 820 save percentage, but this year things are just clicking. Um, I think I got to give a shout out to my other two uh, goalie partners, Max and Hampus. They're pushing me to practice every single day. You know, if I'm not playing, that, that they're going to get in and, and they're going to do just as well. Yeah, I can't say enough great things about those guys. Like I said, they're always pushing me to be better, and it wouldn't be possible without those guys. It also helps have a, have a great defense in front of me, too. Everybody's back-checking, everybody's blocking shots. It's, it's great to have everybody buy in this year. Well, we thank you guys for, for joining the show, and we, we wish you the best of luck the rest of the way and, and hope you get to play the final game of the season in St. Louis. I think yeah. that would be a fitting way to go out. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you so much for having us, guys. Uh, listen to most of the episodes. You guys are doing a great thing, and it's it's awesome listening to you guys. Yeah, everybody around here is huge fans of you guys, so thanks for having us on. It's a really special moment for us, so keep doing what you're doing. Once again, thanks to Matt Simoncelli and Scout Stalkup for joining the show this week. The boys were great. They even looked great doing it. They went as far as heading to the Maryville University Hockey Center to record in front of their team background in the offices there. So that was awesome. Love to see that. They did an awesome job this week. And speaking of looking great, I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, Selly Hockey released a new tie-dye shirt. They had the original purple District 5 tie-dye shirt. Then they added the black Eden Hall tie-dye shirt. Now they've added a third tie-dye shirt to the collection. This time it's a green tie-dye shirt with the District 5 logo on it. I think it's by far one of their best shirts. It's a modern twist on a classic shirt. And uh, this is definitely going to be a hit at the next tailgate. So be sure to check it out at sellyhockeyco.com. Hop on these. These are a limited edition. They don't print many of these. So be sure to 
to get on the next order and uh, make sure you're looking great at the next tailgate, the next darty, the next team party. Whatever you're doing, you want to be rocking Selly hockey gear, so make sure you're checking out the latest from them. We got some good games this week. One that we have on our radar in terms of the game of the week, we have a top 10 matchup in Lynchburg, Virginia this week. Stony Brook is traveling down to Liberty to take on the Flames, and I think this is going to be a good one. This is an old Eschel rivalry. Liberty has since moved on to be independent. These two met each other in Westchester right before the pandemic hit, and Liberty won the conference championship game beating Stony Brook. So I, I think this is going to be a really good game. I don't know. Do I, should I give a pick? Like, I don't, I don't want to give a pick and then jinx somebody, but I think Stony Brook is, is going to get, I, I think it's going to be a split. I think Stony Brook's going to take game one on Friday night and Liberty's going to win on Saturday. Stony Brook, I believe seven game win streak right now. And uh, I don't think the flames played last weekend. So it, it should be an interesting matchup. Here's the real question. If Stony Brook comes out with the sweep, do they move into the top four? Do you think? I think so. Stony Brook had a one goal game with URI. All the teams in our league are good. So like you're going to have those one goal games against conference rivals. They then went beat NYU 5-1 and then they won 1-0. The NYU goalie had 50 saves on 51 shots. When you have a seven game winning streak, you're not going to blow out every team. You're going to have those close games but still find a way to win. I think the Stony Brook guys are going to get really jacked up to go into the LaHaye on a Friday night and uh, steal a win on the road. And then I think Liberty and Kirk Handy and his staff rebound and get the split on the Saturday game. So that's how I envision things going down. But I think a sweep for Stony Brook puts them in the top four. I think they've proved it with the sweep over Adrian. And if Liberty takes a sweep, what do, what do we feel about Stony Brook from that point on? I'm fine with that. I, I I don't think Stony Brook has anything to worry about. Like I said, going in with a seven game winning streak and then if you get swept by a team like Liberty, I don't think that's anything to hang your head on. But th- those will be fun games to watch. I'll be sure to check out uh, the YouTube highlights uh, from the ESPN Plus feed and the call from Rhett McGibbon. I hope he has a great one this weekend. Another game to watch out for, we have the Colorado teams taking on each other this weekend. We've got University of Colorado, Boulder taking on Colorado State. I think I've mentioned it a million times on this podcast, but I, fun fact, have played against both of those teams. So that should be a, a good matchup. I, I want to call them the Fort Collins Cowboys from that the, the Brokeback Mountain photo shoot they had at Colorado State. But that, that should be a good matchup. I think guys at both of those schools get up for that no matter what sport those guys are playing. So that'll be a good one. Click, I know you taught you circled this one. We have Navy and Pitt. Pitt, what are you expecting out of this matchup? See, so this is going to be interesting because Pitt has to play West Virginia on the road on Friday and then play two games Saturday and Sunday against uh, Navy. So that's going to be a tough one. And Navy is always a tough team to play against. Really should be interesting. I think it sh- it'll, in the end of the day, will be a sweep. U-Pitt has very good, is playing really good this year, but Navy is always a tough team to play against, especially if you have played two games in the past two days. Yeah, and, and just an anecdote there. Uh, Navy does fit the white cage code. Everybody on their team has a white cage, which is allowed. That is the only time you're allowed to wear a white cage when everyone on the team has it. Just wanted to throw that out there. Another game to, to watch out for, we have Drexel and Delaware taking on each other. Uh, that should be a, a good Eshel matchup. And then rounding out the games to watch this week, we have BYU traveling to Idaho to take on Boise State for the Meals on Wheels event. Expected attendance is going to be 4,000. This is 
a huge draw for Boise State. I believe they play this game with the Idaho Steelheads play. They usually get a, a great crowd in the ECHL. Should be the biggest crowd of the season in Division II ACHA. NC State and UNC had a really good crowd. BYU draws really well at home. Weber State has had some big crowds. Kentucky has big crowds, but I I mean 4,000. If they get a crowd of 4,000, that's going to be by far the the biggest crowd of the season in division two so that should be a good one and for a good cause yeah and just as an addendum that's not referring to the unc nc state crowd at the wake competition center that's the one at the pnc bank arena where the hurricanes play that's a good point too because they they did draw a really good crowd at the wake competition center but when they play later on the season in the backyard brawl at pnc arena i think they do usually i mean they they fill at least one side of the lower bowl of pnc so that'll be interesting to watch for and i know with all the media attention NC State's getting, I wouldn't be surprised if they turn around and especially maybe if they use this as a boost for the backyard brawl, like, hey, let's beat the record. So that could be something to watch out for. This week's question of the week, I'm curious based on on, on my experiences so far, it's so great being back in hotels on the road. That was something I missed during COVID. College can be so stressful just to go on a bus and stay in a hotel and just a change of scenery can be really good and, and, and useful for the boys. So I'm curious when you guys travel on the road, what is the room setup like? How many guys are in each room? We'll start with you first, Fitz. How many guys did Indiana have in each hotel room? We were running four. It was a struggle most of the time. But when I was a rookie, after like the first road trip, I realized what I needed to do. So I brought my own pillow, my own blanket, and I would lay down a towel in the corner of the room, and that was my bed for the night. That is, I I cannot imagine doing that. It wasn't that bad. I mean, the floor is actually really good for your back. So it was like I was kind of helping myself at the same time. One time in my freshman year of high school hockey, we had a team sleepover and uh, I couldn't find a bed when it was time to go to bed. I grabbed a blanket and a pillow and tried to curl up in the bathtub and that was a nightmare. But grabbing a towel and, and taking the corner of the room, I, I get, it's probably more comfortable than the bathtub thinking about it now. But you, you got to make sure you come prepared with like, pants and stuff or you will freeze out like what's temple doing on the road oh so we usually just try to get three guys to a room two beds and usually one person gets the bed by themselves and two people have to double up something interesting happened in my hotel room this past road trip down to down south to uh, virginia it was me my roommate back home shout out to logan hurwitz and david wolf is he's a kid i just drive to the rink you know we we get the the room pairing and my roommate hurwitz says wolf you're sleeping on the floor as a joke but wolf didn't understand that so when we got back he just got into the room picked up one of the pillows a random blanket and just set up shop in the corner of the room and i'm like well what are you doing he's like i'm sleeping on the floor tonight i'm like do you want like going to my bed like i don't want you to sleep on the floor he's like no no no, i got this so i was very grateful to have my own bed that weekend but that's just a really funny story of kind of the unique situations that happened and herm with your time on the road with the bobbies what was the the rooming situation well, I roomed with Eric Youngy and Garrick Sorosi. It was the three of us to a room. And we just had a rotating system. One weekend you got the good bed and then one weekend you got the pullout and it just 
rotated from there. We have a very similar situation at Cuse. It's three guys to a room. You usually try to do one veteran with two rookies. The rookies or the younger guys share the bed. The vet gets his own bed. But we have so many rookies on the team this year. And so a couple of the rooms are filled with rookies. So one guy's getting their own bed. And so we had three guys. We had Alex Oaks, uh, Lucas Skolnick, and Brock Alvers. So we've got two freshmen and a sophomore all in one room. And so they find out their roommates and they go, okay, why don't we do whoever has the best plus minus on Friday night gets their own bed. Oaksy, the sophomore, he gets scratched. And so he's like, ah, oh, darn. And he's like, he's six, four. And like, he's going to have to share a bed tonight. Brock and Scully go minus one against NYU. And so Oaksy gets his own bed. He was a scratch, but he had the highest plus minus. So I think, I don't know. I think that's great deciding plus minus and the kid who got scratched ended up with his own bed. That is incredible, but I'm sure he's the happiest scratch in ACHA history. He definitely rubbed it in too. He's like, well, have a good night, guys. I'm just going to enjoy this bed by myself over here. I mean, I think the moral of the story was he he's six six four. Like He's huge. Like I think he was going to force his way into getting his own bed anyways, and he just happen to win it fair and square with the plus minus. So that's a good trick. If anyone is trying to figure out how to get their own bet on the road, just try to get the best plus minus and you should be good to go. Or just be tall. That works too, apparently. Yeah, be tall and loud and you know no one's going to question you. Or just kick the rookie out and tell him to sleep on the floor as a joke and have him sleep there anyway. Or, or bring your own towel and pillow. I'm telling you, man, the towels, the blankets, you need like pants and maybe two hoodies to be set. What I'm hearing is that sleeping on the floor is a guaranteed path to the Fed. Like, this is like confirmed advice from the man himself, right? That That's the missing ingredient. A lot of these ACHA guys, that's what they're missing. You start sleeping on the floor, pro hockey in your future. He was just preparing himself for the Momo 6 in Binghamton. Yep. You got to be able to grind it. The The motivation is like, you, you got to sleep on the floor to be successful. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, yeah. Because like if you have a really comfy bed, you're never going to want to get out of bed. But if you sleep on the floor, you got to get up and be successful and earn that mattress. So I guess fits all along. You were just trying to earn your mattress. Finally got one for a, <laughs> uh, a few days. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> all right. Well, that, that's all, all we got for this week. Once again, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us at at Hockey House Pod on all social media channels. And we'll see you boys next week. Thanks, boys. See you, boys.